Well, hey guys, welcome back to the UNC Chi Alpha podcast, and today we are in our second week of Advent. It's a, another lovely day here in, where are we coming from, Joe? We're coming from Spargo Village. Spargo Village, the home of Chris and Lucy Spargo. They are alums of not only UNC, but Chi Alpha as well, and just have been tremendous blessings to open their home to us for this. Yeah, it's it's been it's been great to be here, and uh, I'm excited to talk about the the next um, the next candle, the next theme of of Advent. What are we talking about today, Joe? Yeah, I, I don't know how many people are familiar with lighting candles for Advent, but each week of Advent, the four weeks of Advent, um, we light a different candle. They sometimes have different references for those particular candles based on the scriptures that go along with them. This week, we're talking about peace, and the candle that we would be lighting that we are lighting on the second week of Advent is called the Bethlehem candle. You'll understand that in just a moment as I read this uh, verse from these two verses from Micah chapter 2, or chapter 5 rather. And uh, this is what it says, Micah chapter 5, verses 2 and 5. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And then verse 5, it says, Micah says, and he shall be their peace. Mm -hmm. Now, to put it into context, Micah, a prophet of Israel, is writing this some 700 plus years before the first Christmas, before Christ's arrival on the scene. And also, he's not making light of Bethlehem here. Bethlehem is, was likely at the time a very tiny little village an out-of-the-way, nowhere place, and this is where the king of the universe is going to come and insert himself into our story and bring peace. Mm. And when we think of peace, I think, Seth, um, in human terms, most oftentimes we think of it as the absence of conflict, right? We're just not fighting each other over something. Or maybe if you have kids, it's like, hey, the house is quiet finally, right? And, 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 and so there's peace in the house, too. In the Bible, it can refer to the absence of conflict, but it has a much broader and deeper meaning as well. When you look at the Old Testament being written in Hebrew, largely you have the word shalom. And in the, in the New Testament, largely been re, having been written in the Greek, erene. And at its foundational and functional level, that word is whole or complete. And so it's also something, can mean something complex that's in a state of completeness, so wholeness, completeness can have various moving parts. So it's not just the absence of conflict. There's a bigger picture here. It can also refer to, some, to a person's uh, well-being. So you might, in, in ancient times or in biblical times, you might say, how is your shalom, right? Mm -hmm. How is the wholeness of your being right now, if you will? So the opposite of that, of having shalom too, means like when life gets difficult or fragmented or broken, our shalom can break down in some form as well, and in that sense, it it needs to be restored. Oh, that's yeah, that's really good. Very interesting. I think I'm going to use use that line when I go to the grocery store, or when I go somewhere, just walk up to someone <laughs> and say, "How's your shalom?" How's your shalom? <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's got me thinking. How can shalom or or peace be restored if you say that it's it's fragmented or broken down, especially when life gets difficult? It's it's a very stressful time. Um, yeah for a lot of people right now, and how, how can we restore that? Yeah, I think initially we're talking about shalom as like a noun, right? It's, it's peace, it is something. But you can also use it as a verb as well, and I think that helps with that explanation a little bit, meaning 
it, it, if you use it as a verb, it's like I want to bring shalom to somebody or I want to shalom somebody in a sense. It means to make complete or restore. So um, in essence, you take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. Or you take what's broken and needs healing and you restore it uh, that way. I think that's very true in relationships, right? So to heal a broken relationship means to bring shalom. Often this means through forgiveness or the admittance of error or wrong by one parties or both parties in the relationship. And that's an active step in restoring shalom in a relationship. Even when it comes to, when you look at the Bible and you look at the biblical stories, when it comes to enemies fighting one another and there comes a peace treaty, let's say, shalom is not just simply, again, the fact that they stopped fighting each other, but it also carries with it the meaning of the connotation that they began working together after that point for the benefit of one another. And so whether that's relationally or between two countries uh, or two enemies or two people that are opposed to each other, that is more the active way of applying shalom to bring restoration and healing about. That's now, good. we last week we talked about Isaiah, and I'm actually I'm not going to read directly from Isaiah chapter 9 here, but you can look it up when you have time, uh, chapter 9, verses 5 and 6. He actually talks about, again, like Micah prophesying 700 plus years before Jesus comes onto the earth, um, he's looking forward to this uh, Prince of Peace, or Prince of Shalom, who will not just come and be peace himself, but will bring peace or shalom without end. And so it becomes a never-ending resource uh, and goal for everybody. He saw God making shalom with people, making peace and wholeness, restoring what was broken between God and man uh, for all time. And that's where, when you look at Christmas, we get Jesus' arrival that first Christmas through, uh, as written through Isaiah's prophecy because Jesus is coming to offer his peace to all mankind. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, I'm I'm kind of curious, you know, Jesus coming and and, and being born. Um, obviously, he's he's a small little baby, um, <laughs> the, the Ricky Bobby eight pound six ounce <laughs> yeah. little baby Jesus. Um, obviously, he can't do necessarily a whole lot right right then and there. Yeah. But how does he offer his peace by by coming and and being born? Yeah, it is one of the beautiful things about the Christmas story as you look towards Christmas itself is. You know, here's a baby. If God was going to come, you would think he'd come in power and authority. Or, you know, maybe in some ways, like from movie pictures in our minds, of wave a wand over something and make it happen. And yet he comes as a baby in an out-of-way place, in an out-of-way town or village. Um, I look towards uh, the New Testament to kind of answer that. When John 14, verse 27, it's a very different kind of peace that Jesus is bringing. In John 14, verse 27, he's getting ready to be arrested and crucified at this point. And he's, he's leaving a very important message to his followers. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And so you're getting Jesus' peace. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so he's, he's making a very clear declaration here. I'm giving, in a sense, something you don't possess in yourself, or on your own at least. I'm giving you my peace, which super supersedes all the other circumstances and difficulties that you might have, even though he's going away. Okay. And that's only made possible by the fact that, that the Christmas story is initiating God making peace between God and man, right? right? That's been broken from the Garden and Adam and Eve's rebellion all the way through all the history of all of us on the planet to the point that he is now coming in to restore wholeness. And that's what we see in Romans chapter 5 as well. 
when Jesus is restoring the wholeness of the relationship between humans and their Creator. In fact, um, Jesus once again is offering us His shalom, His wholeness, His peace, which is not affected in crumbling and broken down and influenced by the world. His is, is essentially untouchable in that sense, and that's what He's giving to us. Um, Ephesians chapter 2 actually puts it this way in verses 14 and 15, for He Himself is our peace. And so receiving Christ is receiving Christ's peace and shalom and wholeness for ourselves. And we desperately need that because the world we live in is one that is truly broken and struggling along day to day. And we need something from outside ourselves that, that surpasses, as the Bible says, all understanding, right? Not something we can manufacture and manipulate as we see fit, but that comes from outside of ourselves. And so in that sense, the peace that Jesus gives is, is a gift. He makes peace between by uh, bringing forgiveness between God and man and, and our sin and rebellion, but at the same time is I leave you with my wholeness. I leave you with my completeness if you but follow me and, and in my footsteps. So That's, that's really good. Yeah. Um, I'll wrap it up this way. The Bible Project says it in a little bit different fashion, and I love what they had to say. They said, true peace is taking what's broken and restoring it whether in our lives, our relationships, or our world. Um, and that fits hand in glove and really neatly with Matthew when you read the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Right. We have to be actively seeking the restoration and the benefit of the other person or other people along the way. And so um, I think that's a, that's a tremendous way of putting it. I think we'll, we'll kind of wrap it right there um, that we would be seeking this Christmas season, this Advent season, to bring, to bring healing to the broken, to restore our relationships, certainly with God, but also with each other.